Hi, this is Mish Hancock, and you are listening to Mishmash, a place where I get to talk to the weird, wacky, wonderful people of this world, people I adore and want to know more about. Kyle is the co-founder of the Greater St. Louis Chapter of the International Society of Sustainability Professionals. Aaron is a sustainability manager at East West Gateway Council of Governments. And today we are here to discuss the One STL Initiative. Hello, gentlemen. Hey there. Thank you for being here today. Happy to do it. So who wants to start? Who wants to tell us what One STL Initiative is? My vote is Aaron. All right, Aaron, (laughs) you're on. I'll start. One STL started out as a a regional sustainability plan um, that we got as a grant from the Department of Housing and Urban Development. East-West Gateway managed the grant, but we did it in partnership with 10 other organizations, including the City of St. Louis, St. Louis County, TrailNet, Metro St. Louis, our, um, our, our transit agency, Heartlands Conservancy in Illinois and several other organizations. <laughs> so uh, we, we got a grant to do a regional plan in 2010, and we, it was a three-year process. We finished it up in 2013. Um, we completed the plan in December of 2013, right at, right at the end, and we've been working on implementing it since then. So it's, it's not really an initiative. I've been told that's the kind of wrong word to use for it. It's more of a collaboration because okay. it, it's a bunch of people working together to make St. Louis a more sustainable region. I love that thought. And so what does that look like? In our, what, what do people in St. Louis, what are we looking for? What should we see or know or hear? Well, I don't, I don't want to sound like we have, uh, we've cornered the market on sustainability because there's so many topics related to it and people are get into it um, depending on their passion. Uh, but since we're more organizational based, uh, we were working with nonprofits and government agencies. We're, we're looking at more big picture issues than, you know, putting a compost pile gotcha. in your backyard. So we have six initiatives. Uh, no, that's the wrong word again. <laughs> we not, have, initiatives. <laughs> not initiatives. We, we don't have initiatives. We have six, <laughs> six working groups that are focused on uh, six different topics. There's water and green infrastructure, biodiversity. Um, Materials and recycling, transit-oriented development, energy and emissions, and food access. Okay. So there are two to three organizations that have given us a representative to lead each of those working groups, but they're all meeting separately and having discussions about how to achieve uh, regional impacts and uh, targets related to metrics in each of those areas. Very cool. And then, Kyle, with what you do, I mean, with your organization, so how did you guys... Are you one of the organizations that helps with all of this? So those working groups are all focused on a topic, the energy, biodiversity, right. food access, et cetera. They're not specific to, I guess I say, they're not specific to an industry, for example. There's representatives of, of various organizations, nonprofits, et cetera, on each of these working groups. So where the ISSP chapter comes in is we're attempting to recognize that municipalities and educational institutions have a different relationship with sustainability than, I'll call them for-profit organizations. Okay. uh, The business of sustainability. Gotcha. So we're trying to come in and highlight that there are legitimate economic reasons to try to embrace a different mentality around what is sustainability. Um. A large part of that is rooted in many of our business decisions. Many of our economic decisions are associated with traditional and uh, routine behaviors. Okay. So sustainability is, a, in large part, recognizing that in many cases, those decisions 
aren't taking into account uh, uh, environmental impacts or social impacts. Uh, they're just kind of rooted in, we're doing it this way because that's always the way that we've done it. Right. Uh, so the, I guess I'll call the business opportunities of biodiversity can be really hard to understand, um, especially on a regional level. Uh, or even an um, organizational level. So right. part of the effort that ISSP is engaged in with 1SDL is to take these global general concepts, the, the notion of climate change, for example, and bring it down into the why does it matter to me level. Uh, because translating ocean rise to St. Louis is pointless. Right. Polar bears, pointless. Monarchs is relevant, but not actionable in regards to having a tangible economic benefit, something that I will make a, you know, a business decision around. Okay. So we're trying to uh, recognize that sustainability needs uh, a voice of uh, pragmatic legitimacy. Uh, and the only way to do that is to be regional in scope, but global in awareness. So give me some examples. I mean, if, if you know, for, for the people out there, give me some examples of what this looks like. To, to, you know, like take, take one subject and say, here's what we're doing there. <laughs> sure. I think the food access one's a pretty good one. Yeah. The food access, um, it's actually access to healthy food in, in low-income and minority neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. um, it is being run by the St. Louis Food Policy Coalition. Uh, the, the director of that is Melissa Vaderot. They are recognizing that not everyone in our region has equitable access to healthy food. Uh, when you go into certain neighborhoods, all they have is, is convenience stores. Right. And convenience means potato chips or Cheetos and not apples and bananas. So they are working with Metro Transit and um, there's a whole a host of other organizations so Is this kind of what food. Jeremy Goss is doing? His, he has got those markets where he has at the Metro <clears throat> stations? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Cool. He That's, was one of our speakers. Yeah. Great. <laughs> same, same topic, and they're working with this food policy coalition, but they're not exactly working uh, on one STL with us, even though the topic's the same. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, so <laughs> are you finding people that can bring those businesses? You know, because they're called food islands, right? Those are there are people that desert. They, yeah, are the food desert. Yeah, to, is that they're what they're trying to avoid? That they're trying yeah. to avoid it now. They're, okay, they used I won't to be, use that anymore. The what shall I? They, what do they want me to use? They are calling them <laughs> uh, healthy food priority areas. Giving it so a positive. So the healthy food priority areas. What are we doing the, for these people? I mean, what what are some of the actions? First of all, they've got to define where those are. Okay. Um, the food desert that you mentioned earlier was a it was a federal government designation that came from census data. Okay. It really wasn't based on a whole lot of local data. So the the food policy coalition wants to hire residents in poor and minority neighborhoods to go into those neighborhoods and actually go into all of the convenience stores and other stores and document what kind of foods are available. Cool. So over the next year, right. they want to um, figure out how to pay for getting hiring local residents to go and do these surveys. Oh, so wow. then they can document, then they'll know where exactly they need to get healthier food. Right, exactly. That people can walk to, Yeah, you know, in case they don't have transportation. Because if you think about that, I mean, you know, I live where I can just drive somewhere and get food yeah, very easily. It's accessible to me. Um, but yeah, if you're going to, and I won't name any particular place, but if you're going to your convenience store and doing what you're saying, that's mm -hmm. not... Not helpful, right? It's not. It's not healthy. Well, and it's not sustainable. So <laughs> right. that's that's a large part of what 
the the kind of the worldview of sustainability is. It's it's a lens. It's really not. It's it's really hard to put your finger on it, which is part of our challenge, right? Uh, because it's everything that Aaron mentioned and a thousand things more, right? Uh, it is literally a revisiting of anything and everything, which therefore it's nothing. By being everything, it is nothing. Because it, it feels overwhelming. It feels well, like and it a just, lot. It feels it like I don't have a relationship with it because right. it's it's I I understand the biodiversity, but I don't really understand the energy thing, so I give up. Right. Um, it's it's kind of, frankly, it's cruel that the notion of sustainability, if you're going to claim to be, in air quotes, a sustainability advocate or professional or whatever term you want to apply, you have to know everything from food systems to HVAC systems. And is there any other expectation? Like, you don't expect an accountant to know human resources. Right, but exactly. But there's... Uh, this just kind of ambiguity associated with sustainability that it's vital, but it's ambiguous. So therefore, the vit- the the importance gets under uh, undervalued because oh, I'm I'm maybe doing something in food, but I can't do anything about transit oriented development. So therefore, I give right. up, or I'm not doing enough, or. If I'm not doing everything, I'm not going to do anything. Uh, that's just kind of this ongoing curse uh, challenge with trying to espouse the importance of sustainability. Just anything is important. Exactly. And everything is important, but no one can do everything. So that that's very well said. Thank you for that. That explains a lot. We're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. We are back, and so, and we're talking about one STL. So, where did this all start? How did this all begin? Tell us some history behind it. Well, it, it was it came from an opportunity to win a federal grant to to bring in some money to be able to do this plan. There were some regions uh, like Salt Lake City, uh, Kansas City, Denver. They had already done regional studies and regional plans for sustainability, but it really wasn't common for big cities to do that. So the, the federal government um, recognized that and they had the, the sustainability partnership, which was between the Environmental Protection Agency, the Department of Transportation, and the Department of Housing and Urban Development um, saw that it's good to talk about sustainability from a regional scale because a lot of, the, like Kyle mentioned, a lot of the topics cross or there's a lot of topics to talk about and we need to figure out how to have how to cross those conversations because there are there are things that can be done you mentioned it earlier i don't know if we were live yet but <laughs> fresh food at transit stops right um, we're looking at transit oriented development so how do we how do we encourage development around our transit stops that includes access to opportunities to to bring in healthy food for people that are using the transit yeah, yeah. so it was a it was a federal initiative um I'm using that word again. Initiative. Initiative. It was, it was a federal. Well, we li- it is a nice word. Yeah, it was a federal. <laughs> well, we can always edit it out yeah. too. <laughs> it was. A, it was a. It was a federal grant program that we applied for, um, and and we won with several other cities or regions across the country, um, and so we got it and we did it and. It's been history since. <laughs> <laughs> now it's history, yeah. and now, but but really, it sounds like where you are right now in the process is collecting information. 
It's collecting a lot of information so that you can move forward. Am I correct? Right. Um, there, there is a lot of it because you've got to know what you want to do. Right. And to, to figure out what you want to do, you've got to know where you are. And data collecting is a big part of that. Um, I mentioned our six working groups earlier. Three of their efforts are data collection. The other, okay. the other three kind of already knew where they wanted to go, so they started. They're already starting projects. So, who's starting a project? One is the materials and recycling group. Um, they want to uh, reduce the amount of trash we send to our landfills in the region. And that is a okay. I feel crazy guilty on that, <laughs> right? Because, especially after the holidays. Like after the holidays, I looked at my street and all of the trash cans lining the street, and we were like, you couldn't put the lid down, you know, yeah. because everybody had opened up. I don't know how many there were gifts and you know and all that, and you you a million people over to your house, and food. I mean, and I was like having major guilt around all. Like, oh my gosh, I am so filling up a landfill right now. Mm-hmm. And I really want some. And, and then you hear, and tell me if I'm wrong, but I, I heard recently that when you take stuff to recycling, like a lot of the plastic you take isn't actually getting recycled anymore. And I'm like, well, then why am I doing this, right? So, yeah. so tell us tell us about this. So the materials and recycling group saw that need. Um, they saw that as a need. Uh, people don't know the truth behind recycling, you what don't. gets recycled, yeah. how to recycle. So they are in the process of doing a regional public education campaign on how to recycle responsibly. It started nice. out because um, the region has moved from, the old, in the old days we had containers that we had to drive to, put paper in one, bottles in another, um, cardboard in another. We went to what's called single stream recycling, where you throw everything in one bin right. and the city collects it and takes it to a sorting facility and it gets sorted. So people, the, the, the term that the group uses is wish cycling. People had one bin, they threw everything in it and said somebody else will take care of it. Right. So what was happening is people were throwing food scraps in there or they were not cleaning oh, their bottles. So yeah. once you get that kind of contamination into the recycling stream, all of the materials get contaminated and it gets thrown away. Gotcha. Which is probably some of the stories you're hearing about, my plastic doesn't get recycled. Right. It, it's yes and no. If it's clean, it can be sorted. It'll get recycled. If it's not clean, it, it gets thrown away. Right. And then there was the huge debacle over the summer with China. Right. Um, China used to be the main source or main recipient of our recycling materials. And they said, we're not taking this contaminated recyclables anymore. So they, they cut us off. Ooh. So where uh, and by us he means the planet, the like planet, the, yeah. All of Europe was going to China. All of North America oh, was going wow. to China. Like it was, they had ninety seven percent, I believe, of the commodity market was being moved to China for them to process it. So they're the ones who are throwing it away instead of us throwing it away. Yeah. That, so yeah. the realities haven't really changed. It's just now they're back on shore versus mm-hmm. we had this. Uh, you know, out of sight, out of mind right. factor Place going on. Just, they'll take care it of it went over there. Away. Right. What's, there is no away. What's right. what's interesting about China is uh the 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 translation of the program that China created this under is our version of homeland security. They were getting so much trash and having to deal with so much trash from the world. They saw it as a national security issue. Oh and gosh! Yeah, because they I were totally get that though. <laughs> like, quit dumping on us. We yeah. thought we were going to help you, but this and, is and, not helping. And they don't have the environmental uh, regulations we have, right. so it was ending up in their rivers and streams and oh, just in their gosh. backyards. And people are getting sick, and so 
they they cut it off. Um, so they they're still going to have to recycle because so much of their manufacturing industry is based on recyclable materials. Right. So they're going to have to end up taking it back again soon, but we're going to have to give it to them cleaner. So that's back to what the original question was. The Materials and Recycling Group is doing public education on how we can clean up our recycling stream to keep it an economically viable and environmentally friendly practice. Yeah. And where does Amazon come into that? Because that's another place I feel <laughs> guilty about, right? Because yeah. it's so easy with one click. Oh, I got my laundry detergent. And, the, and it shows up in separate boxes and you're like, oh my gosh, now I have all these boxes and then I take the boxes to the recycling and hope that they're going to the right place, yeah. you know. Well, luckily um, cardboard is one of the more... Oh, good. Uh, uh, well, I mean, it doesn't make it okay, but it is a more recyclable object than plastics, for example. Gotcha. Okay. Because the plastics, you get all of the different sixes and fives and fours and ones and sevens and such. Right. Cardboard is cardboard. As long gotcha. as it's clean, it's cardboard. And we do have a national infrastructure to be able to manage that onshore versus offshoring it to an extent. If you go to the coasts, you find giant warehouses chock-a-block full of our wish cycling. Um, as in all of those cardboard boxes that used to get put into storage containers and then shipped overseas to China, even cardboard, um, they're not going there anymore. Right. So we don't have the circular circular economy right now as strong as you would hope in regards to your box becoming another box. I That's would love for me to be able to recycling. put my boxes out there and the UPS or FedEx guy, as he's driving by, <laughs> just pick it up and bring it back to Amazon. Well, yeah. Wouldn't that be awesome? But they were like, no, now we don't have room for all that. Well, like, yeah, and we, the commodity cost is so low that it's cheaper to make new than it is mm-hmm. to, oh, gotcha. to take in a new one. Uh, or so to the business make it from decision behind it That's right. Is, because there's the value is only associated with the cost in terms right. of money. It's not associated with cost in terms of the new trees that have to get cut down. It's not cost in terms of the waste stream. It's just the take-make-waste traditional macroeconomic model of what is the cheapest option. Styrofoam? Mm -hmm. Great. Buy styrofoam. Um, The fact that that's going to be around when the dinosaurs come back? Eh, who cares? Are dinosaurs coming back? Uh, By the time styrofoam (laughs) breaks down, yes. Oh my goodness. What are they going to look like? Uh, Probably made of styrofoam, (laughs) given the the route that we're going. (laughs) Yeah, the the styrofoam (laughs) will will evolve into those dinosaurs. Uh, It's going to be, that's, but that's just the perspective on how long it will be until uh, that our traditional uh, fossil fuel based waste stream uh, finds its way back into its, you know, source material. My goodness. Well, can I just say thank you to you guys <laughs> for uh, being a part of taking this on? Because it, it just, it's overwhelming and daunting and confusing and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, muddling through the amazing amounts of information you're going to have mm-hmm. to go through to make all this happen yeah. is incredible. Well, well yeah, please. I would say you're welcome, but it, it's not me and Kyle. It, right. There's literally hundreds of people working with us. Right. This, so it's, it's, a, it's a regional effort. Thank you, regional hundreds of people. <laughs> Thank you very much. We love you for this. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Okay, we're at question time. Uh, so one of my, the, the question I really want to know about, and I think this is a way we can get other people involved, is what is a sustainability lab? Well, we've got the only one going in All the country. Right. <laughs> Let's go. There, there was a while, there were um, a few other regions had sustainability cafes, but they were just informal conversations. So I I came up with the idea a couple years ago. It wasn't actually my idea. Have you ever interviewed anybody from Venture Cafe? 
Well, yes. So I've been yeah, great. <laughs> so I, I was going to Venture Cafe for a while when they would have topics that were of interest to me, and, and I just I liked the dynamic of it and and the and the the, the venue. Um, so I said sustainability needs one of these. And um, Venture Cafe didn't have the capacity or time or space to let us, you know, hijack their event. So they just kind of, I had a few conversations with them. They, they gave me some logistical information. And so I spent a year trying to figure out how to start a sustainability cafe. And um, a random a random introduction, um, um, I, some, my neighbor works at T-Rex, ah, uh, down, yep. the oh, business incubator I downtown. Yep. Um, I was having a random conversation with a neighbor, and she introduced me to the director of T-Rex, uh, Patty. And awesome. Patty loved my idea of a sustainability cafe and said she would host it at T-Rex. So Thanks, Patty. I took her up on it as quick as I could say yes. Um, Sustained or Venture Cafe asked that we not use cafe because they have a cafe, they have cafe to right. avoid confusion. So, and talking with Patty and being the incubator and business and tech hub that she is, we called it, we decided to call it Sustainability Lab. Uh, so, we, we meet monthly at T Rex, um, the last Tuesday of every month. And it's more, it's, it's not just we do have it, but it's not just about having informal conversations. We sit down and we, and we talk about the working groups and what they're trying to do. And we have we bring in guest speakers and we have some pretty focused conversations on sustainability. But T-Rex also gives us access to their common area. So there is a lot of networking and, and, and informal conversations that go on there, too. Sure. That's cool. What time on the it's, last, it's last the Tuesday last of each Tuesday month? Last Tuesday of okay. each month. Uh, it starts at 3.30 and goes till 7.00. Uh, there's usually, we do two breakout sessions, one from 3.30 to 5, uh, one from 5.30 to 7. Um, so That's you, a lot of work monthly. Go, go yeah. you. Well, like I said, it, it's not <laughs> That's us. awesome. I have a committee of volunteers, of which Kyle's on it, to help me plan for the event. So there's several of us that are looking, looking for speakers and looking for topics and kind of organizing the logistics of having an event Very like that. Very cool. So anybody can go. Anybody can anybody go. go in. Anybody can present. We're not necessarily focused on being an advertising uh, resource. Okay. But if there is an organization, a business, a person who is wanting to engage in discussion around right. whatever attribute of sustainability that they're focused on, we're always looking for more uh, content. I mean, we got to do it monthly. Right. So right. it's either do I do another presentation because I'm. You know, nobody else has stepped up. All right, great. Today we're going to talk about Oof, the I IPCC report. I have That's ideas the for you guys. Intergovernmental <laughs> so Panel on Climate Change. We've but, sorry, please. We've got the January one is scheduled already. Um, we were having, having Sarah Schlafly talk, oh, okay. talk about cricket protein. All right. <laughs> so Ooh, cricket. yummy. Her, You're her the second cricket. person that talk, my, my guest before was talking about eating crickets. And I was like, yeah. no. Uh, but I need it mushed up and well, not yeah. recognizable. It's, it's powder. It's it's like that, that flour. I could probably do. You're, you're using it as the equivalency of flour. It's mm -hmm. and for things that need flour, right? It's just a it's very just, protein rich flour. Which is that? There's mm -hmm. lots of people that are into the mm -hmm. whole thing, and then that, there's a lot more crickets than cows. Well, <laughs> well but you also yeah. got to keep in mind they're farming the crickets, so it's okay. it is not like they're going through like somebody's backyard, backyard. with tweezers. What are you doing? And, I'm yeah, going to make right. cricket flour. That's right. All right, no, they're, go they're you. raising yeah. them by the thousands, and yeah. it's a uh, 
it's a much more sustainable way to get protein right. versus cows, which I'll do the there's a lot of methane powder. associated with that. And like a, that's a whole other <laughs> yeah. topic. So, I can't so do the, just the cricket. Sarah's presenting at our 3.30 cool. uh, session. Um, we are going to Facebook stream it, so it will be available to be watched. Awesome. If you can't make it downtown. And then at the 5 o'clock, 5.30 session, we're having a guest speaker by the name of Dee Nichols. Well, I love Dee. Also <laughs> so, was on the podcast and a yeah. TEDx Gateway Arch speaker. Great. Yes, so, yeah. she's, she's incredible. So she's, She is incredible. She's going to be talking to us about equity and design uh, um, and, and art. That, that is uh, one of the things that we're doing at the lab is we've created a partnership between the American Planning Association, the American Institute of Architects, and the American Society of Landscape Architects got together and they said, we want to do a guest speaker series um, talking oh, about I, equity, arts, and design. Yeah, so they're, they're, those three organizations are sponsoring D to present at the lab on January 29th. Very cool. All right, well, let's get the word out about that one. So can I get to know you guys a little bit more personally? These are my next sure. questions. <laughs> this one is for Aaron. Give us an interesting tidbit about Eldoret. About Eldoret. Boy, how'd you find that one? Oh, Did I, I tell good. you about I that? I stalked. No, <laughs> I stalked you. Uh, <laughs> Eldoret's a, a small town. I had never heard of, of Eldoret. Of about, yeah, well, there's no reason to. Well, <laughs> and for those of us who still haven't heard of it, you might Where just find what it is we're El talking Eldoret's about. Eldoret's in uh, the Rift Valley in Kenya. Uh, it's a it's a high elevation city. There's a, it's about a million people, so it's not small. Um, but it's where all of the Kenyan runners come from. Uh, all all oh, of really? those, all of those gold medalists and Boston Marathon winners, all come from that area. I'll be darned. And that's because of the elevation, and I think the diet. It's a pretty clean diet of corn and kale. Um, and I lived about fifteen miles south of it for two years because I was a, a volunteer with the Peace Corps. Very cool. I did not know that's where all the runners came from. Yeah. See, that's an interesting tidbit. He did good, that Kyle. Is a you tidbit. bet you ready? <laughs> way, to, way to set the standard. A little too high for me. So, so for you, Kyle, you were uh, once in public television. And do you have a now or a then or a favorite program to tell us about? So that's, that's a harder question. Uh, and it's rooted in public television. Uh, my involvement was in outreach and marketing. And then also a bunch of other stuff too. But one of the benefits of my role, I was associated with PBS Kids. So I was forced, <laughs> willingly, to dress up as Clifford, to dress up really? as Arthur the Aardvark, to dress up as, I'm probably a good five or six different characters. So Oh, how funny. The, yeah, so it d depended on, you know, was I, was I channeling an Aardvark? Uh, then Arthur was pretty up there, um, uh, so that that game was pretty was pretty fun to play. But I hung out with the um, Speedy Delivery Man from Mister Rogers' Neighborhood. Um, he ran the nonprofit associated with Mister Rogers' uh, program, so okay. he traveled all around and went to all the different public television stations. And uh, he and I spent a fair amount of time just kind of just rapping, just like you're the man, and I'm just the fanboy. Uh, so <laughs> that that really solidified my relationship with Mister Rogers' Neighborhood. And then there's been all of these 
uh, documentaries. Yes, there's on one there. out now that I haven't watched it, yeah, but I heard it's, it is so it, good. It kind of brings a tear to my eye because I'm like, oh, you, you my, 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 my right. man, right, um, Mr. Oh, that's right. I love so, it. That's so, so I think cool. it's, it's it's rooted in just my my relationship with the characters more than the show itself. Uh, there was one called Between the Lions that I'm very passionate about and didn't one. last very long. Yeah, but uh, I remember that one. Yeah, and a lot of that has to do with I was a card-carrying member of the Puppeteers of North America for a number of years. Really? Yeah, I was I was going to be a puppeteer. But See then where it these goes, conversations that's right, lead? But, that's why I ask these questions. Well, you but find then it out goes into the whole got to pay your bills and feed yourself thing. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of decided that starving artist isn't really my, my forte. Um, so I drifted away. But I, the puppetry uh, programs, the ones that are focused on on puppetry, right? Uh, are really kind of where I would would point my arrow if I had to. Oh, pick I something. love it. See, and you thought that was you weren't going to have a cool answer. <laughs> well, but it's it's doesn't it doesn't involve the Rift Valley. So as soon as you're getting into uh, you know the cradle of humanity, I can't compete. But you know, it's interesting. Yeah. Right. Right. Well. So where do people find out about one STL? Lead us to the right our, places. Our homepage is www.onestl.org. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook, 1STL, uh, and Twitter. Um, we're a little bit more active on Facebook than Twitter. The social media is too hard to keep up with. Yeah, amen. <laughs> that's not I know your, that one. Your job, so, uh, <laughs> we, try to, we try to keep our, our announcements and events active or most up-to-date on, uh, on Facebook. Very good. Well, thank you both so much for coming in today. Thanks for having us. Very thank much you. appreciate it. And I loved learning what we learned. So let's get some people to take place in your sustainability lab and what have you. Thanks Great. for what you're doing. Thank you. All right. Thanks, everybody thanks. out there, you have been listening to Mishmash Podcast. Go to iTunes, subscribe, have wonderful days. Love you. Bye. Bye.